position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Welcome to episode number 310 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Being recorded for you on this uh, relatively lovely out, uh, Saturday, October 10th, 2020, 16.33 p.m. Pacific Coast time. Coast of the most, left coast, that would make it, you know, 4.33 or whatever for you humans. And for our sequel friends, that would, of course, make it 2020-10-10. Oh, that's weird. 2020-10-10? Oh, man, we should have done this at 10-10. Or 2020 It'd be 2020, 10, 10, 2020 at 8 o'clock tonight. <laughs> and 10 seconds. Anyway, crack engineer, I wore Molina over there in the booth. How dare you not notice that, Ivor, you prick. Um, holding up the whiskey sign, you're fired, Ivor. Yes. And, oh, of course. Mm. As ever, this broadcast, along with all of our broadcasts, are brought to you by. Uh, our perennial sponsor, been with us since the very beginning, high-grade fucking weed. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we have no sponsors. Um, we're sponsored by the Black Velvet Distilleries of fucking Canada, motherfucker. That's who fucking wrote out this warrant for your fucking arrest! 
you all right but you're gonna have to be responsible to the coca-cola company mr major backwater if that is your name shoot the lock <laughs> little dr strange there for you all right so we got a picture of you this week um let's get straight to our top stories uh first of all the Steam Game Festival Autumn Edition is currently raging. It runs now th- from October 7th to the 13th. Today's the 10th, so you have three more days. Um, we covered the last one, I think, which was during the spring or summer. It was really cool. This is something that I wish that Steam did a better job of promoting. They're doing a better job of um, putting it in everyone's face. Uh for the autumn one, uh, in the form of a pop-up, their news pop-up, um, for this week has been, uh, you know, Steam, uh, Game Festival Autumn, but for those of you who don't know what the fuck it is, that's completely defensible, even if you've been, like, a long-time Steam user, it wasn't for, uh, Bloody XDE, friend of the show, Bloody XDE, pointing out a demo of a game called Carrion, uh, months ago, that was only available and System Shock, the System Shock reboot demo was available uh, through the Steam Game Festival those titles aren't available now, you can buy them now, because they're out now but Steam Game Festival, what it is it's like a consumer level preview of a limited time offer to demo uh, some of the best and most interesting games that Steam knows is coming out in the you know, the next fiscal quarter-ish, or the very near future. Um, these, de- generally speaking, all the games on this page, which we have a link to in our show notes, um, are free and have a playable demo. With the caveat that the playable demo will expire, generally speaking, um, after the event is over. And so you'll have to wait for either the game to go into early access officially from the devs, all this is done with, in conjunction with the developers and publishers, of course. But it's it's really great. Uh, it's a good way to get a really, really fucking overwhelmed. <laughs> Generally, that's how I felt last time. This time, we're not covering it as intensely because I figure you know you go to the page, you look at. But we do have three picks that uh, caught our eye. I I haven't had time to play any of the, well, I haven't had time to play the first one, but it's the biggest, obviously it's the biggest name on this list, Everspace 2. Everspace 2 is coming out for fans of Everspace, the uh, um, the first uh, space combat simulator descent free space style uh, semi-procedurally generated encounter-based roguelike uh, with a great story too and the most funny AI fantastic play mechanics, unbelievable graphics procedurally generated wrecks inside of each pocket um, and lots of shit to upgrade etc, 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 etc one of my favorite games um, Everspace 2 you can play the sequel to one of the best love action games that well, it's not just an action game. It's almost it's almost a full-fledged space shooter sim. One of the things I loved about the first ever space was that it had a beautiful in-cockpit mode in spite of its otherwise arcadey, you know, kind of focus. It's more of a descent free space style roguelike than it is a Wing Commander style roguelike if you want to get into details in terms of space combat. Then, uh, up next, a uh, game that I 
this demo I have played, and it works on Linux. Um, I don't know about Everspace 2, and I don't know, and I know that our third game in this, in our little handful of picks here, does not currently run um, on Linux, but uh, your second pick does. It's called Ghost Runner, and Ghost Runner is a fucking gorgeous first-person ninja parkour uh, far-flung science fiction based uh, futuristic realistic looking runner with stealth elements and ninja reflex based time slowdowns wall running uh, air control leaping etc 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 graphic graphic killing moves lots of blood um and highly realistic looking. It, it was pretty fun. I generally don't like runners. I got really excited when I thought that this game was actually just like trying to be a straight up Shadow Warrior 2 killer, but it's not. It's actually a runner, but and I hate runners, but in terms of runners, I like this one more than almost any other runner that I've played since the inception of this podcast. Other than that one, well there are three that I've probably liked over the last seven years. Oh, that's our next story. Oh, but anyway, we'll save that for later. Um, literally, our third. So that's Ghost Runner, G H, Golf Hotel, Oscar, Sierra, Tango, Romeo, Uniform, November, November, Echo, uh, Romeo, Ghost Runner. Mm. Up next is a game that does not work, but does have a free demo available. So if you want, and normally we don't cover games that don't work, but because this is such a, like, is this like beyond early access? This, the Steam Game Festivals, you know, plots an indie fair. So I'm hoping that, like, eventually, either once this comes out or whatever, um, it'll run. It's called Drone Swarm, and it is a, it covers a topic that is very near and dear to my heart the idea of an artificial intelligence explosion or, an, or a general human, um, super, a general superhuman artificial intelligence managed drone network, nanodrones and everyone knows that once you can control nanodrones you can make them assemble into anything including bigger drones, building sized drones depending on how many nanodrone factories you have, you should read Our Final Invention or Super Intelligence those are two really two really excellent books, one a nice broad overview of the topic, the second a fucking amazing deep dive into into artificial intelligence, neural networks, uh, and intelligence explosions, how to mitigate them, and moral moral and philosophical implications, and scientific uh, implications of such advancements. But in this game, it looks like you, j- you just take on the form of these drone swarms that eat spaceships. And it's funny, because I've been working on a game that has a similar idea behind it, but it's not, um, it's not a space, it's not a it's not a space game, my game is actually a racer but um Drone Swarm doesn't run yet, it might run, but there's not much time to tweak it, and so, you know blah, I tried a lot of things to get it to run, I can't get it to run, so that sucks, normally we don't cover games that don't run on Linux but this one, I'm sure we're gonna see more of if I can get it to run, like, you know, post-release or post-early access, and if you have a, you know, a Windows machine, blah now beyond these three, there are dozens of games on there that you can play for free right now, and only right now only through the 13th, so 
Ah, but take one melech away for the Hebrew God whose ark this is. They're digging in the wrong place. Um, so don't dig in the wrong place. Dig on that fucking page and uh, harvest that shit. It's it. It's the links are in the show blurb for this week. Uh, the link is in the show blurb for this week, or you can find it in your Steam client by going to the store and looking for the Steam uh, Festival Game Festival Autumn. You can't buy any of these games yet. These are teasers. Um, but you can play most of them. And it's also cool just to watch, like, I like the way that they've designed this page. It's a good showcase for all these independent developers. You mouse over and you get a good idea of what the game is. At least if you jump, if you pop it out of the um, Steam client and put it in a web browser, it's a much better experience. Um, or at least it used to be. I, I, I don't know if uh, it's that different this time. I have looked at both, but I didn't make a note. Ivor, you're fired! Told me to... You're supposed to tell me to make a note! Alright, now, uh, I'm not sure if we got to this last week or not, but if we did, I need to issue a brief correction. Um... um, You know what? I don't think we did talk about this in last week. Ivor, you're fired again! You're supposed to vet the rundown, you... (sighs) With friends... When you got friends like mine! Okay. So, I guess we don't have to run a correction because we never, we can't run a correction about something that we never talked about. <laughs> All right. Uh, in a further development, this is a different story, our final top story, before we get to our new and noteworthy. We have a good feature for you this week. It's an interesting feature. It's about, well, I'll tell you when we get to there. But um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about. Uh, Mafia Definitive Edition not working uh, on Linux. Uh, well, in his infinite wisdom, benevolent justice, and um, you know, just uh, righteous fucking hero of the people, myth of the redeeming hero, savior of the land caliber style, like Batman, Glorious Agrol instantly got word that uh, Mafia Definitive Edition wasn't running and so early this week, even late last week um, he popped an update to uh, his fork of Proton that he didn't actually add to like a to his releases, his official releases. It's Glorious Egg Roll uh, ST7. When you have GEST7, Mafia Definitive Edition absolutely runs. It runs great. And it is a very good game so far. You will hear a review of it because I'm going to beat it. Uh, I only have three hours in it, but um, I've been very, very busy as you'll. As you're soon to find out. Um, furthermore, the reason why this game is such a big deal to me is that I have three friends, two of whom no, long, no longer talk to me, but that's kind of typical. Um, friends that I made uh, through this podcast or the Discord or the live stream, two of them who no longer talk to me, but that's okay. Um, who have just pissed in my ear when we when we used to talk. People whose opinions I respect and value. Um, 
who have said that like Mafia is one of their favorite games of all time. Not, not least of all, Fagledorf. Fagledorf loved Mafia. I'm pretty sure Fagledorf loved Mafia. But, um, and so I've been hearing about this game for years and years and years since doing the podcast and years before it because it's an older game, I think. Um, so the Definitive Edition, I want to say one thing about the Definitive Edition. Getting to play this game is finally, after all these years, I mean, it's like, fucking, I, it feels like a decade. But then again, we are coming up on a, the, the next week's episode, by the way, will be literally us entering our seventh year of this show. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. But um, so that's like a decade right there. So I've wanted to play Mafia for a long time. But the coolest thing about Mafia Definitive Edition is that, and I don't know why game companies don't do this more often, I think because it's so difficult and expensive to do well, but when they have a major hit, like Mafia, and a bunch of people don't get to play it because they're they're locked into, at release time, the the, the, the publisher or the developer is locked to at, re- in, at release time, you know, certain uh, system-specific obligations that they have to meet, certain exclusivity, uh, and, you know, also, back then, it was still meat-space distribution a little bit, um, you know, you actually had to buy physical copies of games. Um, by by virtue of that, or just, you know, word of mouth being slower, maybe not the greatest promotional budget p- placed behind a game, uh, but the game attains, you know, some, we used to call it cult status, but it's really just a really good game that most people haven't gone to play. And I'm not saying that most people haven't gone to play Mafia. I'm just one of the few people who never did. Normally, what that forces me into is waiting for it to come out for Linux because that's something, you know, because I don't have a console anymore. I don't fuck around with Windows games anymore. But then you have to deal with two simultaneous pressures. One, am I willing to swallow my pride and pay a usually a slightly inflated price for what it would be worth like five or ten years after its release? Like, you know, I... I, I would say that like after five years, a game is generally half as valuable, and then after any time more than that, it has to be discounted steeply. Like if it's a $40 game, then it's a $20 game, and then after five years, it better be a $15 game. Otherwise, you know, there is like a an ego thing, and not just an ego thing, but a cost-benefit analysis and how much do I really care. And that is counter-set, and all, well, that is, that's uh, further exacerbated by the knowledge that technology has moved on more or less. It's moving on slower in terms of um, more modern games. Like It's very easy to get... It's very easy to be wowed by a game that's even as old as 10 years now because uh, developers still haven't managed to squeeze even, you know, more than two-thirds out of you know, uh, GPUs from even like eight years ago. So that that aspect of the industry is moving slower. The engines and CPUs that are required, that's not something you see, it's more of something you feel. And the physics engine, the accuracy of the physics engine, which is, is CPU, more or less, but a lot of the, all of this shit's getting offloaded onto GPUs these days. But anyway, you know that the game that you're going to play is not going to look as good or as impressive or feel as good 
and as impressive as it would have had you played it when it originally came out because you know time has marched on since then and so what the guys behind Mafia have done is something that I think is actually kind of admirable Mafia was 30 Mafia Definitive Edition was 30 bucks but they redid the entire fucking game tore up from the floor up basically soup to nuts from what I can tell but they remade the game like everything is super high res um, the controls you know they fixed a lot of janky animations is one thing that I read um, the animations look super fluid the light sources are great the performance is fantastic and it plays just as good but looks better than the original and how do I know this because I played the original on Flatpak when Flatpak was all the rage about 3 years ago 4 years ago and that was one of the Flatpak games that I played along with Dead Cells and it was okay the performance was okay the graphics were okay um but it, you know the low res textures low lighting no uh, next generation uh, material design in terms of you know uh, they were still using shaders and shit um shaders on textures <laughs> you know uh and this is supposed to be a period piece. It shines in the definitive edition. Looks really good. Furthermore, and this is even better, because there are three Mafia games, none of which were ever available for Linux. They're remaking all three of them. So, hopefully, uh, Glorious Egg Roll will support all three of them eventually as well. But I gotta beat the first one, and you'll hear a review of it. Uh, at a you know future date whenever I get around to beating it. So far, the one thing I don't like I'm only like three hours in um, the one thing that I'm having kind of a hard time with is managing your camera during combat in enclosed spaces, which is you know, just an ancient video game problem blah, but it's a huge world and it's gorgeous, it's a period piece, it's fantastic so far, that's what I gotta say about Mafia Definitive Edition now before we get to our feature uh, we got our new and noteworthy. Um, our feature this week is about something that's unusual. It's a little bit out of our normal bailiwick, but I think you'll like it. Uh, we're going to talk about how to fly first-person view drones in drone simulators on your Linux machine using a real transmitter and why you would want to do that and the benefits of it and how also in an interstitial way it kind of relates to Linux but it's what I've been doing uh, a lot this week every day actually um, for at least 30 minutes a day and uh, we got some rec- recommendations for transmitters and you know some stuff that, w- that it could get you started if you were interested in it so yeah I don't know what the fuck we're going to call this episode FPV drone sim free demos at Game Fest I don't know what the fuck alright Ivor Basin with a new and noteworthy we got two games I was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. It's Olivians! Alright. Yeah, these are the yeah, okay. We didn't end up mentioning these games in um our retro arch episode, Rogue Squadron episode. But they were slated to be mentioned in that episode, but we ran long last week, so... Yes. Okay, first of all, Spelunky 2. That's Sierra, uh, Papa, Echo, 
uh, Lima, Uniform, November. Oh, shit, what's K? Damn it! My NATO phonetics were just, I mean, they were getting really good. Kilo! Kilo. I didn't have to look it up, I just had to remember it. Um, what was it? Oh, yeah, Spelunky 2. Uh, Sierra, Papa, Echo, Lima, uh, Uniform, November, Kilo, Yankee 2. The sequel to one of the best-loved uh, roguelikes in terms of procedurally generated adventure platformers with whips. Um, it's a the original game. The sequel is very much like the original. Um, it's a brutally difficult, incredibly fun, cartoony, cute, extremely challenging, um, very nasty assortment of. Uh, a cross between the old Nintendo game Spelunker and uh, kind of like Load Runner, because you have bombs that can blow shit up, you have limited amounts, and resource management as you try to get all the treasure out of an endless procedurally generated dungeon that does have an end, but once you reach the end, of course, you start over again. Um, Spelunky 2, I think we mentioned this, at, le- at least we mentioned it in the last two weeks, it will not run at first. And you have to get this janky, weird, old um, wine uh, TKG uh, Git release. We have a link to that Git release. The process for installing it is the same as installing Glorious Egg Roll Proton. It goes right in that same directory, you know, compatibilitytools.d in your Steam directory. You know, blah, blah, blah. Check out previous episodes if you need the full instructions on how to do that. They're all in a previous episode. I'm not going to go into them here. Um, what's weird is Spelunky 2 will not run unless you have this exact fork of Proton. Uh, it's a PG Routus. Uh, I want to say it's the Flippy Frog guy, but I can't remember. It's his Mind TKG Git, so that's it. Uh, but the link is in there. It's fi- <laughs> in case you're really curious and details oriented. The release you want is 5.18.r3.g9acfa3b8. Hope that helps. But once you drop that into your compatibility folder and, and force uh, Spelunky 2 to use that when it launches through your Steam client, it runs like a dream. Uh, and it's great. If you like Spelunky, like I did. I never got to play enough Spelunky. There was never enough time to play as much Spelunky as I wanted to. But uh, And then so far there hasn't been a huge hell of a lot of time. To, but these are huge hits from independent publishers that generally didn't run on Linux at all until very recently. And this brand new one, the sequel, can be made to run right out of the box almost. It's like a week and a half later. You know, ten days later. But that's close enough. For me. Close enough for Jazz for me. And it's a great game. Uh, Spelunky 2 is... Ivor, you're fired! How dare you, you son of a bitch! We're talking about all these free games and all these free demos and stuff. There's no prices on anything in here. Mm. Let me see. Let me check it out myself. Yeah, it's it's 20 bucks. It's not on sale. It's brand new. It was released uh, September 29th. So, oh shit, that was 11 days ago. But, yeah, so I was close. I said 10. So there you go. The other game I want to talk about this weekend or new or noteworthy before we get to our feature, and we'll be out of here in under an hour. Isn't that right, Ivor? Oh yeah, he'll give us the case, eh, Gregor? 
Oh, you'll get the case for us, won't ya? Oh, you'll get the case. <laughs> a little Ronin for you. A little uh, Jonathan Price. A little terrible Jonathan Price with a thick Irish brogue. Um, my apologies to all Irish people everywhere who I did not offend with that impression. Other game that we want to talk about is a first-person shooter. Uh, it's a single-player first-person shooter that is a unique mix, again, actually weird, of parkour, but this is a shooter, shooter, first-person shooter. It is called, as you'll instantly realize why this game was so immediately uh, endeared to this sort of heart of mine. It is called Ultra Kill! Monster Kill! Mega Kill! Ultra Kill! Uh, yeah, Ultra Kill. And Ultra Kill builds itself as their own own talking points. Ultra Kill is a fast-paced, ultra-violent, retro, uh, first-person shooter. Combine the skill-based style scoring from character action games with unadulterated carnage inspired by the best shooters of the 90s. Rip apart your foes with very destructive weapons and shower in their blood to regain your health. This game came out last month, September 3rd, 2020. I saw it two weeks ago. So, I came late to the party. It runs great on Linux. So far, the reviews have been overwhelmingly positive. 2,509. So, someone's either doing really great marketing, or the game is really good, which is why I gave it a a shot. Proverbial shot. Ultra Kill is a combination of like, Quake. If Quake were an environment-based kinetic it, kinetic movement game. This is not a runner, but it it does have a lot of parkour elements. What's cool is you have these weapons and you have these abilities that make you really fast. Like you can power slide like in Vanguard or um was it what was the name of that game? Fuck, I'm losing my mind. Oh god. V, come on, fuck you. Why is it showing things that are? I'm searching in my Steam client. Vanquish, Jesus. Okay, so in my search engine, in the Steam client, I just, in the search bar in the Steam client, I put in V, and my games list updates to Ark, Survival Evolved, Ark, Survival of the Fittest, Avedon, The Black Fortress, Black Survival, Chicken Invaders, Devader, I'm not going to read you all the list. You just scroll down three pages more against the Vs. What the fuck? VA does the same thing. Anyway, uh, the name of the game was Vanquish. Vanquish uh, was a third-person game, though, but in it, you had a set of power armor that let you literally drop onto your back and fire rockets from your shoulders, like you're instantly on a rocket sled while you power slide and and shoot at the same time. Ultra Kill has a very similar mechanism that makes you go much faster and is harder to control, more difficult to turn. You also have um, speed boosts and air control things that you can do, like you can, you know, jump forwards and then dash backwards and shit or dash forwards um, you have a punch and you have an endless assortment of weapons the graphics are 
as the gay, as the the copyrights are accurately described, um, a low res gore pixel trash uh, texture based uh, '90s style uh, first person shooter thing, but with lots of gibbage because um, uh, lots of gibbage, lots of blood, and really stylish visual effects. And as they mentioned, an amazing scoring system where you know your most stylish kills combos. It's like Devil May Cry meets Doom meet meets a. Uh, I mean, Devil May Cry meets Quake meets. Hmm. Meets Prince of Persia in Hell because Hell is full. Humanity is doomed. Blood is fuel. And literally, when they say that you regain your health by showering in the blood of your enemies, you can create weapon combos between, like, your fists. You can punch back against any projectiles that are shot at you. And those are great. Mm. But there are combinations of shit that you can do that not only increase your score, but give you health and place you at strategic advantages in these insane rooms of just fucking death trap madness shooting out the glass underneath your enemies while you're walking over a giant bottomless pit in the middle of hell you know it's like 80 glass panels that you know form like a a, a pseudo circular staircase but in like square form with ramps you wait for them to get there and you've already charged up your shot bam you hit them bam you speed boost all the way up there and you jump right at the edge and oh yes you catch the other edge and you haven't stopped. You, you can't stop. Won't, you can stop if you want to. But uh, it's all shot through like a fish-eyed lens that um, makes the action seem really, really close and really frenetic. Like if you move the mouse just a few degrees, it drastically... I mean, you can adjust this, but I like it the way... I like the default settings, actually. Um, and I played it with a gamepad, too. Um, like just a few degrees left or right, like if you're, if you're looking... Um, it translates into like what would be the equivalent of like 45 to 30 to 45 degrees in real life because it's a fish-eyed lens because you're a robot with one eye um it's super cool uh it is i've again watch this space over the coming weeks uh because i am i'm very very much into playing the idea of playing more ultra kill uh, I played uh, half an hour. Oh, and it's still in early access too. That's even better. It's nineteen dollars ninety nine cents. So this is a game that's you know worth uh, if if you're into supporting independent independent developers who let who develop games with the sensibility that you like. This is a golden opportunity to help a game that's in early access that I think is already shaping up to be a very worthy title. Um, but we'll know more as I play more. It's in early access. Um, Check it out. Ultra kill. Alright. Based on what the feature I've or let's get to it. Let's let's fly some drones. Let's fly some quads, bitches. Let's fly some quads. What do you think? Oh my god. It's the Libyans. The Libyans! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. The Libyans! 
So for those of you who don't know, um, since the COVID times, I've been getting back into drones again because now they are really awesome. Uh, but the advancements in technology over the last seven years alone uh, put the dr- the drones that you can buy for sixty bucks or even less than that. I, they're they're drones. That, I have a drone that I bought for like all my friends. Well, most of my some of my friends. Well, if I, if you're my friend, you got a drone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just didn't want it to sound like that. Um, I have a $25 quad that is better than any quad that I bought 10 years ago. Um, especially in terms of the uh, the software and the, the sophistication of the flight controls and the engineering behind the rotors and the props and the form factor itself has really evolved and become a uh, a solid and known quantity that has been widely replicated throughout the marketplace and this proliferation of technology, uh, models, methods, software, most of which is driven by Linux, by the way. Well, a lot of which is driven by Linux. There's two schools of thought for your flight controller. You can go with uh, open flight controllers uh, like FR Sky, etc. Reprogram them with Betaflight if you need to. Uh, when, uh, and by the way, I'm building my own quad. I own, I, I now own eight quadricopters. And I give away a lot of them. None of them are very expensive. Well, not that's not true. I own a f- first-person view uh, with goggles, um, Tiny Hawk, uh, Emacs Tiny Hawk 2. That is a full acrobatic stunt bucking speed racing quadricopter. It's an entry-level one, but uh, blah. Anyway, I'm building... I have two quadricopters that I'm planning on building over the next six months if we manage to, by some miracle, survive the fucking election in three weeks. Um, and there's still an America to come home to. You be so nice to come home to. Um, so anyway, for those of you who aren't into drones, but for, or even better, for those of you who have looked at videos of quadricopters and especially of first-person view quadricopters, which is how you race these quadricopters. How does first-person view quadricopter racing work? Well, the pilot wears goggles. On the quadricopter itself, it has two cameras. It has one that uh, is uh, literally radio-transmitted RF feed back to those goggles. And the reason why it's RF instead of Wi-Fi is that this is literally as close to real-time camera transmission from a drone you can get over range. And you want it real-time because these fuckers fly really fast. Now, when I now the numbers I'm going to give you are not scale model speeds. This isn't like an RC car that, that goes um, 40 miles per hour to scale. Racing quadricopters, racing and some freestyle quadricopters travel at top speeds of up to, well, the one record that I saw was 200 miles an hour, but that was just, that was a free flight blah, but it, that's legit, that's verified, 200 miles an hour out of a, uh, a five inch quadricopter. Um, it's an amazing video. Check it out, look, look it up on YouTube. Um, so they travel really fast and those aren't scale miles those are human miles 
beyond that, the lighter they are, the faster they accelerate. Beyond that, we've also kind of broken the um, the forbidden door of having to sacrifice um, stability and other factors in, in the design process uh, for weight. Meaning that we can now make heavier quadrocopters than ever before that are faster than even the lightest quadrocopters from you know ten year from eight ten years ago. Um, I bought a quadrocopter from Walmart. I want to say fifteen years ago. It was eighty bucks. It had a two and a half minute flight time. It had very primitive. It was it was a disaster. And that was expensive. And so I just watched quadrocopters for a long time until finally it seemed like the moment was right. Actually, it was at Linux Fest Northwest, the last one that I was at, which was the year before the COVID. So it was uh, last spring, I want to say, um, out there in Bellingham. And there was a guy, I didn't, I, and I, I thought about this ever since, because this moment really changed my life, I was talking to the System 76 representatives and smoking a little weed in the parking lot, uh, you know, from a vape pen, um, drunk out of my mind at the uh, Jupiter uh, Broadcasting Barbecue by the by the She-Beast, the Rockstar van, the Rockstar uh, touring bus, and uh, I'm looking down into the parking lot, we were like at an elevated position because I was also smoking cigarettes, so I wanted to be away from people because it was, you know, family event and stuff, and I'm looking, this is like, you know, maybe a hundred yards away from me you know, maybe 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 80 meters away from me, it's, it was, you know, my eyes aren't so good and it was kind of dusk, but there was this little white hummingbird that was not flying like a hummingbird and was flying so much faster than anything I'd ever seen. You couldn't even really see it. And I thought I was hallucinating. I really did think I was hallucinating. And then I realized that it had to have been a quadrocopter and it was flying underneath cars. It was doing all these acrobatic shit. Like it was, you, I watched it do a chandelle from nothing, from zero, like on the ground, you know, just like a little white speck. And I, I but I never saw who the pilot was and I didn't know anything about modern quads at that point but I was like that has to be a drone I'm gonna when I get home I'm gonna research some drones and so I I have and then the COVID came and you know it's a great time to pick up a new hobby especially a cheap one and I wanted to get something that was flyable that I could fly you know blah 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 blah. so I got I got my first quad and then I got one for my friend Joe Jokimon Kendall um, cause he's stuck out there in Seattle and, you know, he, he turned 42, just like I did. Uh, I turned 40 in July, he turned 40 in August. And I wanted him to have at least one fun thing cause 40 sucked and the turning 40 in the middle of a fucking pandemic really sucked. The one fucking birthday that I would really have liked to have been able to go have a party or, you know, at least see somebody. Um, you know, I end up there alone and it was just fucking depressing. It was really bad. And so I wanted to get him something that would take some of the sting out of it and give him some fun um, during these troubled times. And we all deserve some fun. Now, and, and I got him a pretty good quadrocopter. My, but it was the same one that I got my first new one in like 15 years or whatever. And this quad was so easy to fly, had such a fantastic camera and was so inexpensive. It was on sale when I got both of ours um, I think it was 
like 50 bucks with shipping included. Pretty sure. I want to say, because it was, it was discounted. It's normally like a $70 quadrocopter. It's not the greatest quadrocopter in the world. It wasn't the best first choice, but it got me really back into quadrocopters because it's so much easier to fly now. And the, the quality of video is so impressive. And it's so much fun. And the battery life lasts longer. The transmission is more solid. And, you know, it began to open up this tiny doorway into uh, first person view freestyle and racing for me. I'm not going to go through the entire history of all the quadrocopters that I now own. I do own one really um, high, low end. It's it's on the high end of the low end of uh, very heavy, very large. Uh, it's like 300 bucks. Um, it's a Holy Stone uh, S720 that I'm too afraid to fly. In all honesty, because because it's it's so heavy and so powerful. It's it's a really a dangerous machine. I'm also getting my FAA uh, pilot license for drones. I'm a little over. Ha- I'm a little under halfway through the video course that I'm taking to take that test. But anyway, my point in telling you all of this is that until you get okay, all of these quadcopters, that first quadcopter, my Holy Stone, and my Tiny Hawk or three different beasts. One flies in acro mode, and I'll explain what that means in a moment. The other two have various forms of stabilization, gyroscopes, and optical sensors that actually uh, enable to stabilize it vertically. Um, And even that other quadricopter, the $25 one that I mentioned, that is a great quadricopter to learn on because it it has uh, auto-hover, automatic stabilization, um, and it's cheap as fuck. It'll fly for seven minutes. It has uh, bumpers around the rotors, so even when you do crash, it doesn't destroy the copter. Props don't go flying off. You don't do any damage to it, yourself, your pets, your property, or um, bystanders. Bystanders. So, more whiskey! Yes, I warp. So, furthermore... I started to get sucked down into this rabbit hole of I'm going to make, I'm going to build a fucking first person view quadricopter from scratch. I'm going to design my own and I'm going to build it. So I've been learning how to solder again. Just checking up on my skills. They're they're okay. They're not great, but they're more than capable of handling the task. Built a little Tetris game. Soldered it up just fine. I'm soldering a, a very small much more challenging thing that's very similar to like the soldering you'd encounter um, on uh, the flight control board and the PCB board of uh, of the Emacs Tiny Hawk 2 that I have which is an ultra light that is like it is it is a micro it is a nano quad it is a tiny whoop uh, it's a uh, I want to say it's under 60 grams it weighs nothing it has bumpers too, but the rotors there are mounted uh, in reverse. They're mounted upside down, so there's no rotor wash. So it makes it very stable and very easy to learn on. However, anyone who has tried to fly any sort of quadcopter in real life knows that this is a very fun, and these days can be inexpensive, very fun and inexpensive hobby, um, but it always runs into money. 
And the biggest thing, it's if not money, it's just the time that it takes. Because, like, you can't fly some of the bigger quadrocopters that I have. And I didn't know this when I when I bought it, like, my Holy Stone. Um, you really can't fly it indoors until, like, you're really, really, really good. Because it doesn't have any object detection and stuff. Those are features that I want to put into my freestyle. Uh, it, 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 the third quad that I want to build after I build my freestyle one. But anyway... That's a different story altogether, and I'm not going to bore you with the technical specifications of how to build a quadrocopter, although it is fairly easy. I'll be printing my own frame, I'm, I'm thinking, so I have to get my uh, 3D printer back up and running. It needs a new thermistor still. From Prague! Anyway! Anyone who's flown a real quadrocopter in real life for any duration knows that no matter how careful you are, you're going to crash. And especially when you're starting out, you're going to crash a lot. You're going to crash all the time. And rotors will, uh, uh, propellers will pop off of, of rotor mounts. Um, frames will get bent. Uh, bumpers will crack and split. Uh, uh, runners will get smashed to shit. Cameras will get cracked. Although I have never broken a camera on a drone yet. And I flew my Holy Stone into a wall going 40 miles an hour. That's the other thing about these little fuckers. The Holy Stone is not a little fucker. It's a beast. Weighs like 500 grams. Um, it is a heavy motherfucker. It will kill you because it, it can go from 0 to 60 in 10 feet. So 3 seconds. And it can cruise at 60 miles an hour as long as you want. And it weighs 500 grams. If it hits you in the face, it will kill you. You know, It's like getting hit with a fastball in the face that weighs as much as a bowling ball. A very light bowling ball. So anyway, FPV racers, though, need to see exactly what the quad sees, and they need to see it in real time, because they are traveling at between, on the low end, 60 miles an hour, to at the high end, generally speaking, like at Dubai and stuff, you know, 120 Hundred and even faster than that too for cruising speed and they're doing these hairpin turns and all of this shit it looks amazing and it is so fun it looks like so much fun and it is fun now how can you get yourself some of this magic without enduring the time and frustration uh, that it takes to really learn to fly a quadrocopter because the idea is that you want to limit the amount of time you have to spend charging batteries, waiting for replacement parts, performing repairs, performing maintenance, tuning, false start, oh shit, and you're in the field and you know the rotor breaks and you don't have another, the propeller breaks and you don't have another fucking prop on you. You have to go back home and then it's dark and so you have to wait till next week, etc. And even once you get the fuckers in the air, if you want to fly acrobatic mode, which is what you use for freestyle and it's also what you use for racing, and I'll explain the difference in mere moments, you are going to crash a lot. And apart from the time, this shit gets expensive, or it can. Like, if I break the body on my Tiny Hawk, that's going to be like a three-hour repair, a two-week wait to get the frame from China to buy a replacement frame from China off of banggood.com which is where I suggest you buy all your drone stuff well you know I suggest you buy it from wherever you can find it but uh, f- for today banggood b-a-n-g-o-o-d.com it's like kind of like Wish but it's really for RC 
It, it has everything on there, but they have tons of uh, radio control stuff and quad parts, including transmitters, which is what we're going to talk about. So, a couple weeks ago, we t- I know we're taking a long time to get to the fucking money shot here, but this is this is not that long of a buildup for the reveal, because now the reveal is going to make sense. So, that that would be expensive if I broke the frame. The frame is actually almost unbreakable, though, on that on that particular quad. But you know, blah. If anything, you know, you'll you'll break. Props will eventually fly off, and props will get dinged, and they need to be replaced. And you know, you have to figure out lots of stuff. And there's lots of maintenance, lots of time, and then there's lots of money involved too, because you have to buy batteries. Um, you have to buy cases first off. And if you want to go full FPV, you need to buy goggles, a transmitter, your quad, batteries, uh, and a case. Anyway, bottom line is this. A couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, DCL, Drone Championship League, the game, which is a really fun race game. It's built as a simulator, and it clued me to the idea because I could not control the quads in this fucking game with my gamepad. And prior to this, I'd been using generally toy or consumer level um, transmitters that came ready to fly, meaning that they were pre-bound radio frequency wise to the quad that you know came ready to fly out of the box. Um... Because DCL allows you to use a real transmitter. Now, I didn't know the difference between a real transmitter and just a joystick was because I'd never had the experience. And since it's been COVID, I've never been able to talk to anybody about this stuff. So it's just what I see on the internet and what I see in games and stuff and Sims and what I experience in the field. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, I can't control these fucking things maybe if I get a transmitter, which I knew I would have to do because I was going to buy this Tiny Hawk, this Emacs, Emacs Tiny Hawk 2, um, which is like a 200 ish dollar kit, and then you need to buy some LiPo batteries for it, and then you need to buy um, the transmitter that comes with it is, is pretty good, but I, I wanted to buy a real transmitter so that I could learn the fucking full thing, considering that I'm going to be building a quad, I wanted a transmitter that I could rebind to every, every flight controller that I to, to every receiver that I put on a flight controller for each drone that I, I build. I want to get familiar with one transmitter. A transmitter, for, by the way, is the thing that you hold in your hands. It's like the joystick. But radio control transmitters, especially for quads, are a breed apart. They are vastly different from your standard gamepad. In fact, there is no comparison between them. Not only is the resolution so much higher and more accurate on the gimbals on a uh, on a real transmitter uh, than on a gamepad. The snap to center f- on a gamepad forces you to overfly, to over and underfly constantly because you can't get to the sweet spots necessary. You can't get the actual, anything resembling even the actual precision needed to fly in acrobatic mode. So let me explain to you the difference between that and 
you know, stabilization mode, horizon mode, or whatever, you know, lesser modes, modes that are more geared towards kids with toys. When you when a quadcopter takes off and it has um, automatic stabilization and auto hover, this is true for selfie cam- selfie quads as well as for you know toy quads and camera quads. When it takes off, you push the right uh, the right stick forward just a little bit. It takes off. The software inside of it uses the gyroscope and whatever other sensors that it has, maybe GPS, maybe an optical sensor, an optical ground sensor, or maybe even laser guidance, um, to determine how stable it is in flight so that it can hover in place, as close to in place as possible, because these these quads, generally on the lighter side, are very vulnerable to... um, They have to fight against any slight wind, but that's not a big problem until you get to, like, you know... eh. There's like six mile an hour prevailing winds. You don't want to go fly drones generally. Um, even heavier ones. But there are heavier ones that can power through you know, a lot of shit. Bottom line is this. The way that it balances itself out is very complicated. Because it is using a six point gyro that's on a microchip inside of it. Yes, I know. It's unbelievable. This six point uh Six to nine. I think I think there's even a nine point one, but I'm not. I'm. I haven't gone too far into the gyroscope uh, chipset yet, but I do know how big they are, and it is on a chip. It is. You could fit. They're as small as a service-mounted transistor. Or, I mean, resistor. So you could fit like twelve of them on a dime, and this gives very accurate. In- real-time gyroscopic information to the flight controller. The flight controller then interprets the amount, like, it it reads the reading in real-time constantly, you know, 60 ticks a second. Um, That's how fast it's getting the information. It knows which side is getting pushed down or pulled forward or blown backwards, and it increases power to compensate for that. This keeps the quadricopter the quadcopter generally on you know even if they have remotely decent software in them it'll keep it hovering relatively in place even you know if you're even right underneath an air conditioning thing or whatever it'll get blown around but it'll it, it will it will hover stably in place you can take your hands off the controller a little bit and on better quads you can totally take your hands off the controller and it will hover there when you fly, this this is great for taking videos of stuff, for inspecting things, for flying inside of buildings that you want to look at, you know, find graffiti and you don't want to climb 50 fucking sta- sets of stairs. I'll look at one wall on the way up, look at the other wall on the way down. There's no object avoidance and stuff like that. That's something I'm going to add to my design um, for my third quadcopter. But anyway, the bottom line is, it keeps it hovering literally flat like a piece of paper. This does not make that quadcopter. It makes it very stable. Makes it very good for uh, recording video. Makes it very good for cameras that require. A ca- it makes it very good for quads that require use as a platform, either for tracking shots, like follow subject shots, where the camera actually has a gimbal. My uh, uh, Holystone S720 has a gimbal, so I can tilt. I can remote. You know, when when it's up in the air, I can actually tilt the camera up and down uh, across ninety degrees. So I can look str- almost straight down, or I could look at the horizon, and that's great. And it has uh, follow me functions and stuff like that. 
this sort of stabilization is great for drones like that, but if you want to race or if you want to freestyle, which is really the most amazing shit ever, in my opinion, and it is so fun to do, it is ridiculously fun to do, you're going to have to eventually get into acro mode. Now, in acro mode, you have to do everything manually. So, when you push up on the throttle, your quad will go up, but like the wind might might hit it from the left a little bit and tilt it. So it's like at an angle. Like if you imagine artificial horizon, like in um like in an airplane on the instrument panel, tilt that, tilt the artificial horizon, you know, your wings at like, you know, 25, 30 degrees. You have to compensate for that. And so instead of just using um instead of just driving around the air like in an auto-stabilized uh, quad, in which you just press throttle to go up, pull back on the throttle to go down, that's the Z-axis, it's up and down, and then uh, the left and right on the on that left stick uh, literally turns your quadricopter in place, it rotates the quadricopter, and then on the right stick you have, pressing forward just makes you go forward on that same level plane at you know, whatever speed according to your throttle and the pressure of forward or backwards movement. And then left and right on that, on the right stick, jinx you. They make you move laterally to the left or to the right. You have to do all this manually now on, in acro mode. And that's because in acro mode, you have complete control over one of the most unique, powerful, maneuverable, stable, responsive flight environments ever devised by humanity. I'm not kidding. By virtue of the fact that, like, for instance, my tiny... Okay, so... So he, here's here's how you move in acro mode. After you take off. Let's just say you take off. Okay, so you, you're, you're three meters in the air. Okay? You have to keep the throttle at that position or a little bit more. Any movement you make you have to compensate for with the throttle and also with both the pitch and the yaw. So the 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 forward, like the nose down and the the wing, you know, down to the left or down to the right, you know, blah. You have to compensate for it. But you're also able to fly basically horizontally. So anyway, the bottom line is this. In order to make... Th- a quadricopter just go forward in acrobat mode, in, ac- in acrobatic mode, which is like the technical term for it. You have to give it some throttle. You have to get it in the air, and then you have to push forward, which doesn't make you fly forward. It just makes you go nose down. The idea is that in acrobatic mode, you have un- you have full control over every aspect of the quadricopter. You have access to all the resources. The flight controller is doing almost nothing. In fact, it is doing technically nothing. It's just relaying your commands directly to the quad in real time. So, if you want to fly forward, you have to tilt forward. And then if you want to stop, you have to pull back. You have to bring the the nose of the quadcopter back to a level playing field. Same thing, level, you know, in level with the horizon. Same thing with your wings. If you're tilting to the right, or you don't have wings here, you have four you know, rotors. Um... 
let me give you an example. Well, anyway, bottom line is this. Dude, if you want to experience the joy of acrobatic full first-person view racing on your Linux box, you can do it for 20 bucks using a game called Liftoff, which is also a quadcopter simulator. Um, it's not sponsored by DCL or DRL, Drone Racing League or Drone Championships League. Um, it's sponsored by uh, Rotor Riot. It was made by Rotor Riot. And this game has a full design feature that lets you build your own quadcopter if you want to. But the physics in it are, are amazing and it integrates really well with a transmitter. So once you get your transmitter set up and everything, and we'll talk about... Yeah, we'll go 20 minutes longer this, this week, Ivor. I know, it's a big topic, though. I hope I gave you some sense of what I mean by Acromode. If, you, if, if you're confused, just look it up and do, you know, do a YouTube search and you'll see some videos that will explain it. I'll try to find a good explainer or whatever. Or maybe maybe just watch the video of the week this week, because uh, I'll have some uh, OBS footage from the live stream of me in uh, Liftoff. Anyway, so I bought a Tyrannus X9 Lite 2.4 gigahertz uh, transmitter. This is a serious transmitter. It has really good gimbals. It's not the best transmitter in the world, but it is nowhere near the worst. Monday, I set it up with Liftoff for the first time. It is an entirely different experience and I'm so glad that I got lucky enough to not play these types of simulators with a gamepad more than I have because they've taught me tons of bad habits. Liftoff itself actually includes tutorial videos and setting up your transmitter for Liftoff is as simple as plugging in a USB cable into your computer into the bottom of your transmitter if it has a USB in and most do. Um... You'll need you'll need to buy some uh, some batteries, some uh, flat top batteries, and hopefully a charging station. But uh, that's it. So liftoff is twenty bucks, and here are two transmitters that are cheaper than my Tyrannus. My my Tyrannus was a hundred bucks. Um, from from Banggood. Banggood is the place you want to go. You want to get if you want to fly with Linux, you want to get an FR FR Sky brand transmitter. That's Free Sky. It integrates great with Betaflight, which is, runs great on Linux. Um, integrates well with broad with any FR Sky uh, receiver if you want to build your own drone, and works with mostly any drone that's bind and fly that you might buy where it comes pre-assembled in a box or whatever, but you do need to bind the receiver to the the drone, the, qu- the quads receiver to your transmitter in order to fly it with that transmitter. Luckily, the transmitter has menu pages and it's very programmable and it, don't worry about that shit. Bottom line is this. If you want to... I am not flying my Emacs Tiny Hawk 2 until I have logged at least 10 hours in uh, liftoff because it is really hard to fly in acro. When I fly in liftoff, all I have to do is press R if I crash. It simulates all the prop damage. It doesn't simulate every aspect of uh, the... It doesn't simulate... It's not a simulator in the sense that uh, X-Plane 11 is a simulator, 
but it is very accurate to the dr- on all the drones that you can do in this game, including all the ones you can make. You can make over a million drones with all these parts. Or just download blueprints or just use the stock blueprints and modify the drones themselves that are in the stock and then you know you rename them and you can share them with people. Um, it's really good. It's a really useful tool, by the way, to uh if I've been trying to put together a website that's like PC part picker, but for drone components, this is as close as you can get right now. So the game itself is 20 bucks. Go to Banggood, and I would recommend one of the. I'd either recommend buying if you have another hundred bucks that you want to spend, and you. This is a great, great transmitter, the X Nine. You know, hundred bucks. That's that is a lot of money, but it it's it's going to last for my next five years. You know, I'm never going to need to replace. It. I'm never going to need to replace it because um, I can pop it open and replace the gimbals if I have to. Um, that's not a big deal. Or at least it didn't look like a big deal when, but anyway, because gimbals do wear out. The thing is, though, when when I push up on the left stick, it has a gradation inside of the stick, and it stays there. So when I push it two ticks above um, zero, it stays there. And provides constant power. So then I'm free, more free to focus on reorienting the drone and stuff than having to just constantly, you know, blah. And the degree of subtlety is a world apart from trying any of these drone simulators with a gamepad. I do not, if you ever have any hope of flying anything in real acro mode, even only in a simulator, I not just strenuously I can't be more emphatic that you need to learn not on a gamepad but on a transmitter so I have one other transmitter that uh, from Banggood that I, I found that looks decent it's also uh, FR Sky it's a FR Sky Tyrannus X Lite it's $24 now I know that sounds similar to the one that I just said that I, I already have it's not Mine is an X9 Lite 2.4 gigahertz. X9 Lite 2.4 gigahertz. The $25 one is a FR Sky Tyrannus X Lite. And it looks like a gamepad, but it is not a gamepad. It is a transmitter. So you get all the benefits of the small profile, but all the you get all the benefits of having a gamepad like profile with many of the benefits of having much higher resolution on the sticks and the same, you know, uh, acrobatic level features that, you, that you're going to need. Now, the greatest thing about this is you never have to crash a drone pointlessly again. And in fact, this makes it free for you to experiment with wild abandon. Because unlike, okay, so in real life, if you crash your drone, you have to go get your fucking drone. I crashed, I, I treed a drone on my roof. I was lucky enough, it had enough charge. This is 70 feet up in the air. Had enough charge and caught just the right angle on a shingle that when it was flipped over, I could still boost the rotor so that it exploded one of the props off and knocked the fucker over and it slid off the roof and fell 20 feet to my balcony where it broke itself. And then I had to wait two weeks to repair it, which I did. And it flies great. I love that drone. 
It's one of my favorite quadrocopters. That is a JJRC. It's about 70 bucks. It has a 1080p camera. Uh, it's a foldable, uh, about five inch profile, uh, mini drone with unbelievable stabilization features and, uh, blah. But anyway, you, so like, if you want to get in, and this is the thing that I'm trying to say, if you want to get into FPV, you can do it in steps. In fact, you have to do it in steps, but do it with liftoff and a transmitter for, I mean, for 50 bucks, $24 plus probably $5 and, you know, a week wait shipping from China for them to make an FR Sky Tyrannus X Lite for you and ship it out to you. And 20 bucks for liftoff. That's $45. That is cheaper than any drone that you will be able to buy that has acro mode by a factor of four right off the bat. Even better, when you crash your drone in real life, because these things have range, they have speed, they have range, and they can fly high, and they can get lost, you can lose um, signal strength, because uh, uh, some of the cheaper drones use Wi-Fi to get the um, input from their proprietary, shitty, cheap... uh, ready-to-fly controllers that are crap, nasty crap. And those won't teach you how to fly either. Those, you know, blah. And you can't rebind those cheaper kinds of drones um, to, like, a real transmitter, generally speaking. There are some that you can. Um, But the best way to, if you really want a really cheap drone that's really good and that you can bind uh, to a real transmitter and, you know, use as a freestyle or whatever you want to use it as. Make an octocopter for all you care. In fact, I'm thinking about making an octocopter. Um, then the best way to do it is build one yourself. Um, you can do it for like... <laughs> depends. Depends on what you want to skimp on. I don't want to skimp on too much. I'm, I I, I want to have a budget of about $300 for my my first drone that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build. But, um... Because I modified... the yeah, Anyway... The best way is to spend a week, two weeks, maybe a month learning how to fly in acro mode in liftoff, even with a real transmitter. Um, I went through five my first five hours of battery time on my Tyrannus X9. I had to change batteries for the first time. They're rechargeable. They're flat top um, lithium ion, I think. Uh, They last about five hours even with the USB plugged in, it's still because it's a simulator. So you need the control services that you would use to fly it, and you can't just use like a even my you know warthog or whatever would not be a good you know, even if it could wirelessly send signals. You know, even if it was a transmitter, which it's not, um, it still wouldn't be good. You want to get a real transmitter, jump in the forty five bucks. It is an endless hobby, and you can make your own tracks and shit in liftoff, and best of all this didn't really apply too much to me because I, I've had, you know, these last, you know, months of experience and all these years looking at drones um, you know, from like an outsider looking in kind of perspective never dreaming that I would ever be able to do any of this shit, which now is so totally within the realm of possibility, it's like within reach it's not even within reach, it's like it's totally within our grasp um, in liftoff, 
this didn't apply so much to me, but I, I have found myself going back to them. They have video tutorials that are integrated into in-game exercises that will complete, if you've never flown a quad before in any mode, if you've never even seen a drone, these step-by-step tutorials very rapidly they show you a video, they tell you what to do, they explain the concepts of what you're do of what you're gonna do, and then you close that window, which opens in the Steam client. It works really well. And then you're there. You arm your, your quad by you know pulling the left stick down and pushing it up to zero, and then you take off. And then you try to do the exercises. And it also tells you the hot hockeys and stuff but oh yeah back to my other and so it 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 it, it's very fun very enjoyable a little frustrating but nowhere near as frustrating as learning this shit in meat space because when you crash a drone you have to go get that drone when you crash a drone and then repair it when you crash a drone in liftoff which simulates everything including damage to props you can destroy the drone that you're flying all you do is press r and you're back right where you set the drone down just like in real life now, how exciting is this? well for me it allows me to fly I'm not good at acro mode yet, by the way I mean, I, I cannot stay on a track yet, and by the way acro mode happens, generally speaking at around 3 feet off the ground, not meters but feet at 160 miles an hour. You know, 100, yeah, 80 to 160 miles an hour is like your average FPV, you know, for like the real big leagues, for the super class, blah. That is fast. All of that is in this simulator. So I was flying around this construction site last night that was set at night. I got the DLC um, for liftoff, which came out a while ago, but I didn't know about it. It's $5. It's the, they constantly update this game. They only have one DLC that you have to pay for. Um, and they have a huge community of people. Anyway, bottom line is Liftoff allows me to fly Ultra Supers with real components that are fully simulated. Um, the real flight characteristics, the real everything. What you can get out of 20 hours in Liftoff is the equivalent of 200, 300 hours of what it would take in real life. Because there's always this 10 minute, at least 10 minute fucking schlep back and forth to get the fucking thing after, if you crash it, and you almost always crash it. Don't do it that way. Just press the R key, and you're back, and you're flying the best, most expensive drones that are in the, ever imagined. And they're exactly they use real components, real parts, real airframes. Um, it's legit. You can learn to fly. Not just you can. You can master, not fully master, but I mean you can get to eighty percent of the way to where by the time you hit the track with your first um, FPV quad, and this is an experience that and trust me, I've, I've gone back and forth between liftoff this week, and liftoff and my Tiny Hawk, I can't record my Tiny Hawk though, because I, I'm in the goggles and stuff, even when I'm flying line of sight um, it doesn't have uh, onboard recording uh, which is one limitation of it but it's, it's great, it's an amazing drone um, but when I crash it, and I can fly 
a football field in like six seconds. That's slowly. And if the wind carries me, I can go three football fields in, you know, 30 seconds. 45 seconds. And this thing is as big as my wallet. It's smaller than a it's smaller than two decks of cards placed next to each other. So then, okay, well then where the fuck did it crash? Well, you have to go find it. And you have to hope that it didn't get smashed or broken. They're generally pretty resilient these days, but the props, you know, if you have exposed props, that when they crash, they crash. Might hurt your camera, might need to, you know, might break connections to your power control board or your uh, or your flight controller or your, your maybe your receiver gets you know, knocked out of whack or whatever, and you gotta fucking retune it, and then oh fuck! Forty-five minutes later, your your two-minute-long flight results in an hour-long delay of game, and then you get another one-minute-long flight before you realize that one of the props actually might be bent because you can't really maintain stable control over it, and so you have to go home. Don't do that. Get liftoff and a real transmitter. Plug the USB cable into your transmitter. Start liftoff, and you're in full acro mode. So on this um, this uh, construction site last night, because I, I I did like maybe a full hour over cumulatively over the whole day in liftoff yesterday, because I'm trying to get really good at acro. Because you don't want to crash it in real life, and it's hard not to. In fact, it's impossible not to until you get really good at it. And this the simulator lets you get really good at it. Um, so I take off and I fuck around for like you know ten minutes trying to do some exercises, you know precision turns where you lean in and compensate for the sliding out around around the turn by by going the other way so that you come out of it stable, nose down, and at full speed. It's like the equivalent of. Uh, Learning how to turn at the apex, and uh, if you're learning how to drift, uh, power slide in a uh, in a car, like on a like a GT car, like a you know, like uh, Gran Turismo or whatever. And I'm you know doing those exercises. And I'm stoned at this point, which is bad because it's best to you, you really do need your faculties. But anyway, so it was late, and I was like, I want to fly some downs. And so I crashed, you know, 15, 20, 30 times, maybe in the first 10 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. Uh, and I was flying a new new quad because I wanted to fly a super, super, super quad. This is a construction site for an uh, office tower that's like eh, 20 stories tall. It has a construction crane on it. Um, here's how fast this fucker is. I go from zero and three feet zero, zero forward speed to huh, yeah, maybe 80 miles an hour at 350 feet it was like almost at the FAA limit I think the FAA limit is 300 feet for quads of this weight class but it doesn't matter because it's, it's a simulator 300 feet in a football field away in under 10 seconds while I'm doing barrel rolls and acro flips. Then I take it all the way up to the height ceiling before uh, the transmitter runs out of, you know, you get a transmitter warning 
um, a virtual transmitter warning. Take it all the way up because I was doing this for my mom, who's scared of heights and hates um, planes and hates falling. Take it all the way up to like four hundred feet. I'm above the construction crane, and I throttle it to zero, move the throttle dead center, and then I just start doing barrel rolls while we, you, you know, the you hear the motors, the the you hear the rotors. Uh, spin down and then it's just quiet and just like I start doing barrel rolls in first person view in the goggles mode you don't need goggles to use a simulator although they're great the goggles aren't virtual reality goggles they're just there to eliminate distractions really they're just a screen that's up in your grill showing you the RF transmission from from the uh, from the camera on your on your quad and I'm just doing these barrel rolls and we're falling and we're falling then I stop stop doing the barrel rolls I level off and then I start doing flips and I do eight flips and I bring I'm about to bring the engines back up but I drifted a little bit and I crash right into the uh maybe the seventh story um outside window ledge of these unfinished of this unfinished office building and it killed me. I mean, just fucking bam, I hit it like you know, I hit it like a stone. Knock knock the fucking rotor destroyed the front two props. Other two props got destroyed after me flailing, sent me flying off of that ledge, you know, plummeting 300 feet to the street or whatever, or 150 feet to the street or whatever. Um at which point the quadcopter was destroyed and I pressed the R key and I did it again. Catch you next week. Uh, and, and it is amazing. And these flight characteristics are what you not just what you can expect, this is what it's like in real life. Super fun, super economical way to get into a super cool hobby that if you're smart might not be as expensive or as unattainable as you might think. I'll see you next week for our seven-year anniversary episode. Jesus. Cheers! Four or five times A good idea. Four or five times Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada e. Four or five times. Matt Damien. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. Yellow is the color. Gambling is the game. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman.
the best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. Hello, great justice.